Well, I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn once again to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5. And as you're turning there, I just want to say it is a privilege to have for us in worship Becky Poteet this morning. We're so thankful that the Lord has her in the States and uh, that she could be here with us today. Uh, we have been having, we've had the privilege of supporting Becky I don't know how many years. I, when I came to Redeeming Grace in 2005, the church was supporting Becky, who is a missionary to Togo, uh, the western part of Africa. And the Lord has used her in such a mighty way there. And we pray that the Lord would continue to use her there as she just shares the gospel and just reflects his glory there. So, Becky, it's so good to have you with us today. So, that being said, let's turn our attention to Scripture this morning into the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 5, and we want to look at verses 25 through 27 this morning. The title of the message is The Believing Husband, Part 1, The Believing Husband, Part 1, because there are many verses that are going to address uh, the Christian husband, and so we want to, to walk through those, but today we want to look at verses 25 and 26 and 27. The Word of God reads, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless." Well, this morning we want to turn our attention now to what the Bible has to say to the Christian husband. And we've seen what the Bible has had to say to Christian wives. Uh, we've taken our time to look at that. And so as we turn our attention on what Scripture would say to the Christian husband, we are immediately met with a surprise here. I mean, looking at these verses and thinking about what we have just been through with the Christian wife. And you remember the one word we could that encapsulates what the Christian wife is to do and that one word would be submission submission so now that when we come to the husband you might think that the one word we're going to see here now is the word what leadership right leadership if the wife is to be submitted to the husband well then certainly the husband is to take up the mantle of leadership right and yet when we come to these verses here we find that the word that stands out is not the word leadership, it is the word love. The word love. Husbands, the key word for us this morning as we consider our Christian responsibility, it is the word love. The word love. That is the main idea here. And so let us understand this very clearly today. Christian husbands, we cannot say that we are loving our wives if we are not loving her according to what scripture says and we cannot say that we are that despite how good we might be in our leadership 
despite how good we might be and gifted we might be in making decisions for our family, very sound decisions for our family, good financial decisions, good economical decisions for our family, no matter how wonderful of a provider you are for your family here, no matter your commitment to lead your family uh, in an upright pathway, saying I'm going to, to lead my family to church, I'm going to lead my family in, in family worship and Bible study and in prayer, all that may be true, but if you are not loving your wife, and loving your wife as it is described here in this section, then you and I are failing in our responsibility as a Christian husband. So today I want us to, to just understand exactly what we are to do. What are we to be living out as Christian husbands? And really there are two main points that we'll make this morning. The first one will be more brief than the second one. But first of all, I want you just to see the simplicity of the instruction. The, the simplicity, because the simplicity of it really is somewhat startling given what is taught in so many churches these days about what marriage is and all the things you have to know about marriage and all the things you have to learn about marriage in order to, to have a good marriage. In light of that, we look at this, and this instruction is just very simple. It's just one of really the striking features of this passage. I mean, it is just so simple. And certainly no one here this morning doubts that there is more to being, well, for example, as we talked about the Christian wife, there's so much more to being a Christian wife than just submission, even though that was really the one word there. There are many things we could talk about when we talk about the Christian wife, so many different things to describe her and how she is supposed to live out toward her husband and her children and her family. There's, there's so much more that could be said than just simply submission. And yet there's also so much more that could be said about the husband and what he is to do and how he is to live out toward his wife than simply this word love. And so even though there's so much more in these relationships, really we see one word being stressed here. And so when we think about the Christian wife as we've thought about that word submission, we see it over and over being stressed in scripture. We see it in Colossians chapter three. We see it in 1 Peter chapter three. We see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Even those sections that don't deal specifically with marriage and they're just dealing with husbands and with wives uh, in the context of worship and, and, and things of that nature. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Timothy chapter two, the idea of submission for the wife, for the woman is stressed over and over and over again. And so in the same way, if we were to talk this morning about the Christian husband, we talk about the Christian man and how he is to live toward his family, we, we could get so detailed. We could have like 20 principles for being a great Christian husband, right? There are so many detailed things that we could say here, but as we look at this this morning, Paul is content to just sum it all up here, really in this all-encompassing word, but just to sum it up with this concept of love. And so when he talks about Christian wives and Christian husbands, he brings it all down to these two things, submission and love. Submission and love. In fact, notice verse 33, he summarizes it here. He says, nevertheless, each individual among you is to love his own wife even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. 
That just makes it very simple right there, right? So, so we have to ask the question, well, why this simplicity? Why, why does he make it so simple? And I think we could all agree that when we think about marriage, we don't think about simplicity, do we? I mean, if you're married, you know your marriage, as wonderful as it may be, is a complicated relationship. It's very complicated. So how is it that the Bible is so simple when it comes to this subject? Well, I think we can say a couple of things about this. First of all, I think it has to do with its purpose. Its purpose. Its purpose in this section is not to give us an exhaustive list of all of our responsibilities, all of the main things that we need to be doing in marriage. I mean, all of the, 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 the not main things, but it is to give us the main thing that we're to be doing in marriage. The, the, the main thing in marriage. And the purpose is because it's trying to show us how we can have a Christian home that has order and a Christian home that has purpose and a Christian home that has harmony. And we talked about here numerous times how God has a plan, right? He has an order. God has a plan for the family. He has a plan for marriage. And our God is a God of order. And so as we are submitted to him as we are submitted to the lordship of Christ and we're seeking out how to live out the truth of scripture in our lives we are willing to assume the God-given roles that he's given to us and as we do that then there is order then there is peace then there is harmony in the home here and so his purpose here is not just to go and give us an exhaustive list of all the things we need to be doing all of the responsibilities he wants to lay out that God-ordained order for homes. He wants us to see how peace can be maintained in the home, how harmony can be maintained in the home. And so what does he do? He raises the two great challenges that even Christian families face in marriage because the fact of the matter is this, because of sin, because of the fall, the wife is just quite frankly going to find it very hard, very difficult, very challenging to remain submitted to her husband. And then the husband is going to find a great challenge in loving his own wife, as he should, as scripture details here. And so he's, he's, gonna, he's raising these two battlegrounds, if you will, these, these two struggles that we're going to have. Listen, ladies, the greatest struggle that you will have in your marriage, in all likelihood, is to remain in a place of submission to your husband. That is going to be your struggle. And for us men, men, the greatest challenge that you're going to have in your marriage is to love your wife properly. That is the great challenge that we face. And so what he does here, he keeps it so simple here because his main purpose, again, is to give us a way that we can have order and harmony and purpose in our homes. How is this going to be maintained? He tells us how this is going to be maintained. There's another reason, a uh, second reason why it's so simple though, and it's because he's really given to us here just the big picture, uh, the, the big picture. And this gets really to, to what I think is a very clear New Testament method that we see here. And this has to do with, with how we teach people doctrine here. One of the things that you see again and again and again in the New Testament is that you always start with a big picture. You always start big and then fill in the details. And so you start with the main principles and then you move down into the application, down into 
the details. And it's amazing how often that if, if you have it, if you get it, if you get the big picture and you have it properly in your mind, if you have the main principles in your place, in your life, it's amazing how many of the details just tend to take care of themselves. They just work themselves out. It's amazing that, that if, if wives would find themselves submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and then therefore submitted to their husbands, it would be amazing how many of the little details would be worked out and just fall into place in the life of the Christian wife. And if men, if men would be submitted to the Lordship of Christ and just be loving their wives as this passage would, would teach us here. It would be amazing just how all the little details of life, all the different interactions we have in our marriages, day to day, moment by moment, be amazing how all of this just falls into place. And so we see the Bible doing this again and again and again. It starts with the big picture and then the details follow. Let me just give you an example here. Romans chapter 13 verse 9. It says this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, if we would just do that, if you would just love your neighbor as yourself, guess what? You would never murder. You would never commit adultery. You, you would never have these things in your mind that you would go against your neighbor because you're loving them. You would never steal from your neighbor. If we had this main principle, this one saying, love your neighbor as yourself. And so in the same sort of way, the, the Christian husband's entirety of his responsibility toward his wife, toward his family, can be summed up in this statement. Just simply Christian husband, Love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's the big principle. That's the big idea here. And if you were to compare what we so often hear in Christian radio and podcasts and on the internet, so many detailed steps, so many detailed things. And again, some of these in a supplemental way can be helpful. I don't want to discount those things. There have been some wonderful things written in books that are that are practical extrapolations of the main truth of scripture but yes some of them can be so cumbersome as if you know what you're you're never going to have a good marriage if if man you don't understand her five love languages right it's like five or something and women you're never going to know your husband unless you understand these five or ten or fifteen principles of, of the man, you know. Uh, you, you're just never going to have a successful marriage. And yet we don't see that here with what the Apostle Paul is saying here. We don't see him saying, you know what, you have to learn all of these things in order to have a successful, God-glorifying marriage. Almighty God just makes this so simple. He says, wives, Here's the thing. See to it that you respect your husbands. And then he says to the husbands, husbands, love your wives as Jesus Christ loves the church. Don't you just love the simplicity of that? It is so simple, just the simplicity of the word of God. Listen, it's, 
to understand it, it's just not that complicated. Very simple. But what it is is this. It is a matter of submitting to the Lord. And then living toward one another as God means for us to live. So that is the simplicity of this instruction. But now second, I want you to notice the specifics of the instruction. The specifics, because now he's going to get into the specifics here. What, what exactly is he teaching us here? It's simple, yet it is specific. So what does he say here? Well, the first thing I want you to focus on with me is in verse 25. He says, husbands. Now, notice again, he doesn't say lead your wives. He says love your wives. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, why? Why love instead of leadership? You would think these things would sort of be symmetrical, right? Wouldn't you? You would think, okay, submission over here for her. Now over here for him, it must be leadership over here. But that's not what he says. He says submission, love. So why love instead of leadership? Well, one reason I think that we could give for that is this. This protects this protects the man and his wife from a false view of leadership. It protects both of them from a false view of leadership. Right away, this puts leadership in the right spirit. Right away, from the very beginning, it tells the husband the kind of attitude that he must have as he deals with his wife. And so right away, if, if we take this verse to heart, this takes away all the heavy-handedness in marriage. This takes away your supposed right to just sort of be a dictator and just hammer out the commands and hammer out the lifestyle and all that. No, we don't do that. Because to love someone is not to dictate to them. To love someone is not to be heavy-handed to them. To, to love someone is, is not, to, not, to rule, not to rule in that sense. We don't do that when we're loving someone. And so he says to the wife, Christian wife, you are to be submissive to your husband, but, but as if to, to guard this attitude in the matter and to guard this mindset, to, to make sure that, that he, the husband, doesn't think of, uh, of leadership in the wrong way. The Apostle Paul now is very quick to not say, okay, well, husband, you lead her. No, he says you love her. So there's genuine care that is given here. Listen, you, you cannot just insist on having your own way as some type of despot or some type of dictator and then really be loving your wife. You cannot insist that, yes, listen, this, this home is just going to go my way. I'm the king of this place. And, and, and that is regardless of your feelings. That is regardless of your thoughts. That is regardless of, of, of who you are. Your desires, your pleasures, your, your enjoyments. I'm not going to take any of those into consideration. You cannot say you are loving your wife if you live that way. That is a selfish kind of leadership. And that is the kind of leadership that the world knows all about. That type of leadership. There's a, a dictatorship kind of leadership that the world knows about. But I want to tell you this. It's not Christian. It's not Christian. Listen, Christian leadership will always, always, always be loving leadership. It will always be that. 
It is not selfish leadership. It is always servant-oriented leadership. That, that's what it is. We want to be used by God for good in someone else's life. That's what we want to do. And that's just as true in marriage as it is anywhere else. So men, if you are loving your wife, if, if, you, if you want the best for your wife, what you are wanting is you are wanting for God's good to be accomplished in her life. You're wanting his best. And in some way, you are wanting to be an instrument to see that accomplished. Lord, I want the best for her. Lord, use me to bring that about. Use me to be a tool in her life for that. And so he uses love here instead of leadership because we've got to have the right attitude, men. We've got to have the right perspective. We've got to have the right, the right attitude here. So what does this do? This protects the husband and wife from a false view of leadership. And there's a second reason he, he might have used the word love instead of leadership because this, this really is the best kind of leadership. This is the best kind of leadership, the most effective way that a husband will be a leader to his family, the most effective way that a husband will be a leader to his wife and his family is to love her. It is to love her. How, 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 do, you, how do you genuinely serve as a leader in any realm you're in. Well, as a believer, this is what you're to do. You're to, you're to love someone. Believers are called to love everyone, right? And so that's the most important, powerful, influential force that any leader has in a person's life when that other person is looking to you, that other person is depending on you, that other person is looking to you for leadership. It is to genuinely love that person. You don't see that in too many secular leadership books, do you? But that really is the case. I mean, we know this just from the natural realm. You look out in the natural realm, the, the world of lost people, and I want to tell you, people will do things for love that they would never do just out of a sense of duty. I mean, they would never do that. I mean, you know, duty, what is duty? Duty is just our sense of responsibility, just our sense of the things that we have to do, the things that are good to do. And duty is good. Duty in and of itself is good. It's good to know what our responsibilities are. But that will only take you to the point where you fulfill those responsibilities and you carry out those responsibilities. But when you love someone, when there's a sense of, of loving them, of maybe we could even say admiring them, you will go beyond just what is your responsibility. You'll go beyond that. You'll, you, I mean, you'll go to the ends of the earth for someone that you love, right? And it's amazing what a powerful influence it is in a person's life when they realize, I am loved by someone else. I'm truly loved by them. And so he doesn't say here, leader, in effect, what he's saying is lover. That's what he's saying here because husbands, if you want to lead her in the right way, you have to love her. You have to love her. So let your wife know that. Let your children know that. That, 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 that you love them genuinely from the heart. And as they love you back and as they admire you for, for that kind of love that they see in you, you'll find that you'll have the power to influence them that you could have never had 
just by way of telling them their duty all the time. And I want to tell you, husbands, I'm speaking for myself and probably speaking for many of you here, we need to learn this. How many times is it in our homes just simply about duty, duty, duty? The expectations, do what you must do. Do what you are expected to do. And yet, men, where's the love? Where's the building up? Where's the encouragement? Where's the investment? We have to lead by love. Now, when we think about love, what is love? I mean, if love is the way that we lead, then we need to understand this thing. What is love? Well, as we look at these verses, there are two ways that he's given us here for us to know what this is. We don't have to clamor in the dark to find out what love is. He tells us right here. And what he's going to do, is he's going to use a word. There's a word that he has chosen to use and there is an illustration that he has chosen to use. So first of all, let's look at the word. The word. Look at what he says in verse 25. Verse 25, husbands, here's the word, love your wives. That word love, the original Greek word is the word agapao, from where we get our word agape. Agape. So the Greeks, when we think about the word for love, the Greeks had different words for love. The Greeks had, for example, the word eros, E-R-O-S, and we get our word erotic from that word, eros. What does that word mean? It's talking about a physical kind of love. It's talking about a physical attraction, a natural kind of love. Oftentimes, that is a word for a selfish type of love, the word eros. So they knew that word. They, they used that word. But it's interesting that when you think about the word eros, you don't find that word in the New Testament. It's not the word that's used here. But there was that kind of love. There was that kind of physical love, natural love, uh, natural expressions of love, the love of desire. And again, sort of oftentimes a naturally selfish type of love. In other words, uh, looking for personal fulfillment type of love. And I want to tell you, I would submit to you that we live in a lost world that knows nothing of love except that kind of love. This eros type of love. When the world talks about love so many times, this is the kind of love it's talking about, eros. And there's more to love than just simply eros. But the Greeks had that word. But that's not the word that's used here. They also had another word for love. It was the word phileo. Phileo, which has to do with, with the love of fondness. In other words, it's to like someone. It's to be fond of someone. It's to be uh, caring uh, about someone. We have the city Philadelphia, which comes from this word, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And it's this type of love here. So it's to, it's to love someone with the love of friendships. And so the Greeks had that word too as well. And that word is used in the New Testament, but that word is not used here in our text. That's not the word that he uses here. Instead, when he says, husbands, love your wives, he uses the word that is used to speak of God's love. It is a word agape, the very kind of love that God gives. Now, I want to tell you, husbands, that is very instructive for us today. 
very instructive. We've got to make sure that we don't take this out of context, that we don't misunderstand this. So when we talk about eros, that is not to say that that type of love, which would probably culminated in its most biggest effect in a sexual kind of love, it's not to say that that type of love is not needed in marriage. One of the things that we learn as we study the Word of God in all of its fullness is this, Christianity does not make you abnormal in the sense of making you unnatural. It doesn't do that. Now in one sense we're no longer natural, not, not in the sense of being dead in our trespasses and sins there, but in another sense, when we're talking about these things here and we're talking about you meeting a Christian man or you meeting a Christian woman, well, you're still meeting a man. You're still meeting a woman. And so when we think about that, we're, even though we're changed, even though we're transformed by the power of God, and the ones that we're meeting, being a Christian man, a Christian woman, they've been changed, they've been transformed by the power of God. Yet at the same time, it doesn't take away our, our humanness when you get saved. And so we need to understand that. And so some might think, well, all of a sudden, if I've come to Christ, well, there should be no proper uh, sexual desire. And those things shouldn't be important. And those things shouldn't even really matter at all in marriage. And as a matter of fact, Scripture talks about that. In fact, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you can read this later today on your own, but if you go into 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that was a teaching that was taking place in the church at Corinth. There were some people who were teaching this. They were teaching, well, what you really need to do is you need to practice celibacy in your marriage. You need to practice this because this will somehow make you more spiritual. And listen, there's nothing wrong if you're single and you're considering whom the Lord would have you marry one day. There's nothing wrong with being physically attracted to that person. There's nothing wrong with that. To be physically attracted to the person you'll marry one day. As a matter of fact, that's a good thing. But some of the Corinthians were saying, well, you know what? We are going to be really, really super spiritual. And so in doing that, we're going to say, well, I am going to look for someone that I am completely unattracted to in order to get married. Because we don't want this playing in at all. Now, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with a non-sinful eros. There's nothing wrong with a non-sinful physical attraction. A physical attraction, yes, you have a physical attraction, but it doesn't spill over into sin. Nothing wrong with that. And in phileo, there's nothing wrong with friendship. When you consider who the Lord would have you marry one day, I mean, it's a good thing to, to like them, wouldn't you say? I mean, you think about it, it's a good thing to, to enjoy being around them. I mean, if you get married to them, you're going to be around them the rest of your life. So I hope you like them. And so that is a good thing. You ought to enjoy being around them. So there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a phileo kind of love. There's nothing wrong with a friendship kind of love. But isn't it interesting that the one thing that is imperative in marriage it's not eros, and it's not phileo. It is this third kind of love. It is godly love, because this is the one kind of love that makes 
a Christian marriage, a Christian marriage, this kind of love. Lost people have eros. They can be and often are physically attracted to one another. Lost people can have phileo. They, they like one another. But only Christian people can have the love of God that has been shed abroad in their hearts. Only they can share that love of God with a spouse. Only Christian people have the capacity to love everyone else with the very love that God has shown to us. Only Christians have the capacity to do that. And so this, this is what a Christian husband must be operating in. He must be operating in this third kind of love, that kind of love that was not present in our lives before we knew the Lord Jesus Christ. This agape love, this godly love. In fact, I'll say this, this is a good question for all of us here today who are husbands to ask ourselves this question this morning. First of all, do you have this third kind of love? I mean, you might find your wife attractive, eros. You might enjoy being with her. You have a fond affection for her, phileo. But do you know what it is to love your wife with the love of God? To love her with the love of God. And so the very word that he chooses tells us, listen, this is a different kind of love that as husbands we're to be operating in. We are to be operating in the love of God here. Not just affection. Not just liking your wife. Not just wanting to be your wife, be around your wife. Not just this eros. Not just looking at her and being attracted to her. No, if we are to live out our Christian marriages, we must live them out as Christians, meaning that us husbands, we are operating in the very love of God that he has given to us. That is how we must be living. But notice this, he doesn't just teach us about love this way with just a word, but the Apostle Paul now moves past the word and he teaches us by using an illustration an illustration. Look at verse 25. He says, husbands, now zoom all the way to the end of the verse where we see the illustration, where we see the picture here. He says, husbands, and then he goes on to say, and gave himself up for her. So why, why this illustration? Why, why, do, why does he even, he's talking about marriages. He's talking about husbands and wives. Why does he even bring up Jesus Christ and his church here? It is precisely so that we can know how we are to love our wives. Do you realize what the Apostle Paul has just done right here? He wants to teach husbands how to love their wives. And precisely for that reason, he is going to go to the heights. He's going to go to the Mount Everest of doctrines. And he's going to talk about this great and glorious doctrine about the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. And he's going to do that so that husbands... You can know and I can know how we are to love our wives. And so he's going to talk about this. So let's follow him in doing that. Let's take this doctrine of Jesus Christ and his church, high and lofty as it is, and let's bring it down into our marriage for a moment. And let's ask this question, how does that relationship teach us about loving our wives? Well, first of all, the first thing that stands out if you're going to love your wife as you're meant to love her by God, is this, 
You must love her by the way that you look upon her, by the way that you look upon her. Now listen, I'm not talking about looking at her with those sort of starry, heart-shaped eyes, you know. I'm not talking about that way. I'm talking about how you see your wife in your mind's eye, how you think about your wife. You love her by the way you look upon her. You say, well, what do you mean by that, Van? Well, verse 25, notice, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. So you asked this morning, well, how did he love us? How did Christ love us? Did, 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 did he love us before he saved us? What's the answer to that? Yes. Yes, he loved us before he saved us. Did he love us before he saw anything good in us? Absolutely he did. Did he love us before he foresaw anything in us? Absolutely. Did he love us in spite of our, our unloveliness? Absolutely he did. He loved us in spite of that. So there we were in all of the ugliness of our sin, in all of the ugliness of our rebellion toward God. And Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And by the way, this is put into the realm in this verse of demonstrating love. So there's his love. Here we were in our own ugliness, in our own unloveliness of sin, and he loved us. So take note now, husbands, how this doctrine speaks to you. So we need to understand this. When you live with a person and you live with them for any period of time, Eventually the honeymoon is over, right? The honeymoon is over and you're going to notice something that you probably didn't notice at the outset. You're going to see those deficiencies in her life. You're going to see those difficulties. You're, you're going to see things in her that you can begin to start criticizing in her. And in fact, you're going to see things in her that let's just be biblically honest, you can start resenting her over. You can start resenting her. Let me show you this. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, because that's why in Colossians chapter 3, verse 19, that's why there's a warning there added to the end of this instruction. So look real quickly there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. And Colossians chapter 3 is even more brief than Ephesians chapter 5. So Colossians chapter 3, and let's actually start in verse 18. Verse 18, wives, be subject to your... Husbands, as is fitting in the Lord, husbands, love your wives. And then what does he say? And do not be, look at that word, embittered against them. Now, why even mention that? Why even mention bitterness here? Because it's contrary to love. It's opposite of love. And if we really love someone, listen, husbands, the bitterness, it's got to go. It has to go away. You are not loving your wife as Christ loved the church if you see her deficiencies, if you just criticize all the things in her and you begin to resent her for those things. Rather, if you were going to love your wife as Christ loved the church, you're going to have to love her in spite of those things. You're going to have to 
I'm not talking about like having blinders on. No, eyes wide open. You're going to have to see the deficiencies. You're going to have to see the areas in which he falls. And you're going to have to make the choice by the power of Almighty God to not be resentful to her over those things. But based on love, you're just going to have to take those things. You're just going to have to put it away. And you're going to have to love her not because she meets some performance evaluation. No, you're going to have to love her because you love her. That is why. I love that in Deuteronomy chapter 7 where the Lord is telling Israel in verses 7 and 8, he says this, The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So what did the Lord say? The Lord said, you want to know why I loved you? I loved you because I loved you. That is why. I chose to love. I chose to set my love upon you. And husbands, you will love your wives as Christ loved the church when you love her simply because you love her. Not because she merits it. Not because she deserves it. Not because she is so wonderful that her life calls for it. No. You love her because you love her. And that is how Jesus Christ loves his church. And that is how you are to love your wife. Let me ask you this question this morning, men. Is there a Christian husband in this place this morning who, when you peel back the layers of your heart, you would have to say, you know what? There is bitterness in my heart toward my wife. Bitterness that is there. Are there things that that she has done or are there things that she's been doing that quite frankly, and again, not to make a funny thing out of it, but truthfully, I mean, they, they just grate on you and begin to eat at you. And have you found yourself being resentful to her over these things? And before you know it, you, you didn't even know it happened, but there it is right there. There's now this barrier in your heart towards your wife. There's this wall that has been erected there in the way that she's living or the way that she's been acting toward you and you see these things and you're not willing to put them away and it's like one brick on top of another on top of another so the question for you this morning is will you continue to do that or will you love her like Christ loved the church will you love her in spite of all of her failures, in spite of all of her deficiencies, will you love her simply because you love her? Not because she's good enough. Is that what you'll do? Second thing I want you to see here is this. You love her by giving yourself up for her. You love her by giving yourself up for her. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. He loved the church, notice, and gave himself up for her. This is how you love your wife. You love your wife by giving yourself up for her. And I want to tell you, this goes far beyond just words. And Lord willing, we're going to, to talk next Lord's Day about how practical this love is. Christ was not only ready to sacrifice himself for his church, he did 
sacrifice himself for his church. And that is the characteristic of love. You, you don't just talk about sacrificing for your wife. You just don't say, well, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice for her. No, so you actually follow through. You actually are doing that. You're doing it. You're giving yourself away for her. So let me ask you, husbands, are you in this sense sacrificing for your wife? Are you sacrificing? Are you putting her first? Do you really put her first? How many men say, oh, yes, I love my wife. I love my wife in an Ephesians 5 way. But in all reality, we are failing to show that in how we live. Our words are good. Our living it out, not so good. And we don't put her first. We give her the leftovers. Listen, consider your life. Consider how you live your life on a daily basis. What are you putting before you? Do you put your business before your wife? Do you maybe put friendships first? Do you maybe take hobbies that you have and put them first? And if we consider all the things we put before our wives and then we just sort of give her the leftovers. But scripture says, listen, if you love her, you're not embittered against her. And if you love her, you sacrifice for her. You, you, you give yourself for her. And listen, do, do you understand, do you know the difference between giving and giving of ourselves? I mean, there, there's a big difference here. You say, oh, I, I give for my wife. Listen, I, I bought her this gift, and I give her flowers, and I do this, and I do that. And, and I, I'm always doing those things. I'm always showing her that, that I care here. But I want to ask you this, women. Is there a Christian woman in here who would desire to have flowers or desire to have gifts, or desire to have this thing or that thing, rather than your husband's time, or your husband's presence, or your husband's attention. So let me ask you, husbands, are you sacrificing yourself for her? Are you willing to give for her? That leads to a third thought, and this really goes hand in hand with the second. So we're just going to sort of tie these two in together here. But here's the third one. You love her by what you want for her. You love her by what you want for her. Look at what he says again. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, why did he do that? Why, why does this say that Christ gave himself up for his church? Look at verse 26. So that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. First, let's just get it straight on the side of Christ and his church here. Let, let's, let's get the doctrine straight here first. The Lord loved you when you did not love him. When you were his enemy by nature, the Lord loved you and the Lord saved you and he gave himself, this says, for you. He, he demonstrated his love for you and that he died on a cross for you while you were a sinner. In other words, he did not die for you because he saw something good in you. 
No, he didn't do that. Get this, and this is so important. He didn't die for you because of what you would become on your own. He didn't do that. If he had left you to yourself, you would have been exactly what you already were, a sinner who hated God. That's who you would have been. You would have continued on in that. But he gave himself for you, not for what you would eventually become on your own, but he gave himself up for you with a purpose. He had a purpose in mind. And the purpose was not just simply that he would save you from hell, as, as praiseworthy as that is. But he had this purpose when he gave himself up for you that he would sanctify you and make you one day perfect in his own presence. He died for you. He died for you so that he might forgive all of your sins. Yes, absolutely. But he also died for you so that he would set you free from sin and so he gives you his righteousness in justification not only as a holy standing in his sight positionally but one day in the final re resurrection there will then be glorification and you will stand before him practically not just positionally but practically in your practice and how you live in the perfection of the son of God and the Lord Jesus Christ died with all of that in mind what he would make of you what you would become in him what he was all going to do for you he had all of that in mind now you take that that jewel of a doctrine and now we bring it down into our marriage so you're to love your wife because you love her, even despite all of the deficiencies and all the things that you see, and you are to sacrifice for her, you are to give yourself for her. But then this also means something else here. You love her by what you want for her. What you want for her. What, what do you want for your wife, Christian husband? Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever asked yourself that question? And every Christian husband should want for his wife what our Lord wants for her. What our Lord wants for her. We should want her to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. We should want her to become more and more holy, more and more sanctified in Christ, to walk more and more uprightly in the Lord. We should want her to love the Lord Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love the Word of God, and to love the church of God, and to live for the Lord with all that she has in her life, that's what we should want for her. That's what we should desire for her. You should want her to be absolutely perfect in the sense of uh, being beyond unjust criticism for how she lives her life. You should want her whole life to show Christ. You should want the whole world to admire her for who she is in Christ. So a Christian husband wants what the Lord wants for her. And this is how it ties back to the second point. Listen, so, so, so that I'm willing to sacrifice, I'm willing to, to give of myself in whatever way it takes to help her with her walk with the Lord. Men, let's be honest, how many of us are failing in this regard? How many of us have so many aspects in our marriage that we're doing well, but when it comes to this, we are failing here. We are not practically living in such a way that we are encouraging our wives 
to become holy in the Lord and to grow in the Lord and to become more mature in the Lord and to be more sanctified in Christ. And we're falling short here. So we're not talking about necessarily sacrificing when you're buying her something. We're talking about sacrificing something in a spiritual way, giving of yourself in a spiritual way so that your wife and your marriage, and let's just even say the family, that the family can be everything God wants it to be. Let me just try and make it very practical for us husbands. Let me ask you this. Husbands, you say you love your wives. Do you pray for your wife? Do you pray for your wife? How much time do you really spend praying for your wife? Do you encourage her in the Lord? Let's just take something that's very fresh in our minds. Let's just take this morning, for instance. Are you encouraging her in the Lord as you let out to bring your family into the worship of God today? Were you encouraging her? Were you leading her? That's tough, right? Because we know how Sunday mornings are, right? <laughs> but husbands, are you doing it? This, this is what you're called to do. Were you the initiator to bring her and your family into this place? Or is she dragging you along with the kids? And if it wasn't for her, no one would have gotten into the car on time today. April, don't answer that question. <laughs> that is actually how it worked out in our house this morning. So... <laughs> But is this what's happening? We have to lead out in this and in all things when it comes to our wife. So do you do that? Do you pray for her? Do you talk about the things of God with her? Do you encourage her in her walk? Do you take a, an initiatory, a leadership role in these things? I think all of us have room to grow in this, don't we, men? All of us. Do you help with the children? Do you take a, a leadership role there? Not just in the discipline. That seems just to come so natural for us. But what about the instruction aspect? Maybe we fall so short in this as well. We're very quick to uphold the standards. We're very quick to discipline when they fall short of the standards. But what about the godly instruction that we should be having in our homes? To teach us where do these standards come from? Why do we even have them in our home? What is the root of these things? And just to show them who God is, you encourage her by letting her know that you see what the Lord is doing in her life, that you see her character growing, that you recognize those spiritual gifts that she's using. And when you see her using those spiritual gifts, you are so encouraging her and saying, I see you do that. I saw you with those women. Or I saw you there at the church. And it was such an encouragement. I even saw some of the effect that maybe you didn't see. And you're building her up and you're encouraging her. Or do you give her the feeling that you just can't do anything right? You come home, the house doesn't look like it, you think it should, or this isn't the way you think it should. And just over and over and over, she's just hearing over and over the implicit message, you can't do anything right. You're not living according to my standard. Husbands, my brothers in Christ, can I ask you this question? Does your wife have confidence that when she hears from you, that she is going to hear the Word of God? That as you give leadership, as you do give counsel to your wife and leadership to your home, is she confident that it's just going to be your own thoughts 
Or is it going to be scripture? Is it going to be the word of God? Let me just break it down this way. Husbands, do you simply love your wives with a two love style or a three love style? Are you a two love husband or are you a three love husband? Eros, phileo, and agape. All of those. Are you a two love husband? Are you just merely just attracted to her? You think she's pretty? Which is a good thing. And so, therefore, you married her? I mean, let's just face it. Some of us were that superficial when we got married, right? Praise God, he's carried us through years of marriage, right? I mean, we just thought we were marrying a pretty girl. And the Lord has been so gracious. Or do you love her with a phileo love? You love to be around her. And so there are these two loves here. Or are you a three-love husband here? And that is that third love. This is the essential love here is that you're loving her with a love that you never had before, not before Christ. And that is what you're loving her with. It is a love that God has shed abroad in your heart. And that's the kind of love with which you love her. What kind of love is that? It's the kind of love that the Lord Jesus Christ had for his church. It's loving her because you love her when she's unlovely. It's loving her to the point of personal sacrifice because you have a goal for her. And the goal is not your own personal goal. It's not for her to have your home always looking like it could be on the front of better homes and gardens. No, it is the Lord's goal that she would be everything that the Lord would have her to be. And you are willing to spend and to be spent in order to help her walk that pathway. And you're going to lead your family so that you actually contribute to, to having her tread that pathway. Listen, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it speaks of this kind of love here. You know this, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Wouldn't you love to live in a home like that every single day? <laughs> I mean, that would be so nice, wouldn't it? Well, if you say yes, it would be nice. And yes, it would be uh, wonderful to have a home like that. Well, how do you do that? How, how is this accomplished here? It's accomplished by the Holy Spirit of God. It's accomplished by people submitting to the Lordship of Christ. It's accomplished by people being full of the Holy Spirit. And wherever you have that, wherever you have people submitted to Christ, filled with the Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit of God, wherever you have that, you know what you're going to find on the authority of the Word of God. You're going to find a home where there is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, all those things. That's what you're going to have. Let me just finish today by asking just four very simple questions and then we're going to be done. Ask yourself these questions, husbands. Number one, husbands, how will the way you're living right now, right now, affect your wife spiritually? Man, the way you're living right now, the priorities that you have, the things that you're pursuing right now, how is that affecting your wife spiritually? Is it a positive influence or is it a negative influence? Number two, husbands, are you showing the way by making choices that lead her in the way of sanctification? 
Are you showing the way by making choices that lead her in the way of sanctification? This is what leadership really is. This is what it is to love her like Christ loved the church. So are you leading that way? Are you leading in love by making choices for your marriage that will further her on in her growth in the Lord, in her walk with the Lord, in her sanctification? Number three, husbands, are you a holy force in her life? Are you allowing the Lord to do His work in your life so that you are a force for holiness, for what is holy in the sight of God in her life? Or just to ask it a different way, because we, we see Christian men fail in this so often. Will, will you protect your family? Will you protect her by you making the hard choices in your family? You making the difficult choices. For example, if, if a family is confronted with choices that are related to, to your children or related to entertainment or related to friendships, related to, to whatever it is even, even that you do and in, in, in maybe big decisions, taking a job, moving your family, making certain things your priority. So here you are and you've got all of these pressures and you've got all of these choices on you from people all around society, all around the community where, where you live at. And we've got people all around us who, who for example, are, 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 who put Little League above church and to put this above church and that above church. And, and all these pressures now are on your family. And you have to make decisions here. Now, Christian husband, let me ask you this. Will you make those decisions? Will you be the one? Will you lead the way by saying, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? Or do you just sort of just leave your wife in limbo by your inactivity and your inaction where, where she, she just waits and waits and waits and finally the choice has to be made? And so she has to make the choice. So again, the question is this, are you a force for holiness in her life? Are you a holy force in her life? Will you make decisions, hard decisions even, in your family that will further her on in her growth in godliness? In other words, we're just asking this question, will you love her by leading in a godly way? And then the fourth question is this, husbands, do you let her know that she is loved? Not much to say about this one, right? But do you just simply let her know that you love her? Do you let her know? Not by just what you say, but also by how you live. Christian husbands, do you let her know that you love her this way that we see in the Word of God? Let's pray. Well, Father in heaven, we, we thank you that you have not just told us how to love in words, but you've told us how to love in deeds. And so, Father, thank you that in this passage, you just don't tell us how, but you've shown us how. When we look to your Son and to us as your church, we learn how to truly love. So, Father, I pray that you just bless the families in this body so that we would reflect what we're learning here and that we would actually live it out, Father. May we live this out day by day. And may we do it through the power 
of your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's by grace through faith that ye are saved. A faith that's not your own. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God, the gift of God to you.